In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's Gospel tells us about Jesus going to the land of the Gentiles in Gadara where he met two men possessed by the devil. They were so scary that people could not pass that way. But Jesus commanded the evil spirits to leave and set free their victims. We know the rest of the story. The demons entered the herd of swine that then rushed into the water and drowned. The people of the town learned about it, and they asked Jesus to leave their neighborhood. There are many lessons that we can learn from this gospel. First of all, we see here the power of Jesus over the devil, over the forces of darkness. Evil is real, and we can feel its presence in today's world, in violence, threats, abuses, corruption, scandal, killings, wars, and even the pandemic. And in the face of evil, we can feel overwhelmed and we begin to doubt and question, where is God? What's happening to our society? How come the world is unsafe more than ever? But from the gospel, we know that Christ has power over the devil. We just have to believe in the Lord to have faith in Christ, that He can defeat the evil forces, and that He never abandons the world. But evil is present, not just out there, but it's also within me, within each one of us. Evil is not just in the world around me, in society, in the media, in institutions. There is also in my heart traces of evil. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. We know ourselves too well. We have our own struggles, our own inner battles. And in a sense, the worst enemy of man is himself. His disordered tendencies, the evil inclination, the fomis peccati, that we all have from the beginning of our life. Life, therefore, is a struggle. It is a fight between the good and the bad that is in each one of us. Yes, we have qualities, we have virtues, we have blessings, but side by side with our admirable qualities, we find miseries, our glaring limitation, our shortcomings. It is a mystery that the good and the bad coexist in the world and coexist in, in each one of us, in me. It is not a cause of surprise. Perhaps we try to overcome certain bad habits and they just keep coming back and we're held captive 
in a sense, by the old self, our former manner of life. Perhaps we tend to be critical of others, quick to find faults and to judge. Or maybe we tend to be lazy, finding it hard to work, and so we delay things, or we seek too much comfort. Or probably we have bouts of sensuality, unable to guard our eyes and control our imagination. Or, perhaps, we tend to be proud of our achievements, and we enjoy being praised, and we often talk about ourselves and seek to be the center of attention. I'm not saying that we are like this. I mean, it's an invitation for us to examine ourselves in the presence of the Lord, to take a closer look into my life. Many of us also have to grapple with fears, anxieties, Loneliness, contradictions, others have, are weighed down by guilt feelings, deep regrets, bitter memories, old wounds in life. In these personal battles, too, Christ is our ally. We conquer ourselves through the grace of our Lord. I can do all things in Him who strengthens me. What we can't do is leave things as they are, to be content with the way things are in our life. No, we have to fight. We have to make an effort to remove what is evil in me and let God take possession of my life. Struggle is important, and the moment we stop fighting, we lose. You must have played the tug of war in your younger years, all of us. I guess have, is a contest in which two teams pull at opposite ends of a rope until one drags the other over a centra, central line. Uh, your team has to, to pull with all your strength. The moment you relax, you're dragged forward, you're dragged down to the ground. And by analogy, life is a tug of war. A tug of war between the good and the bad in each one of us virtues and vices, the grace and sin, blessings and misfortunes, good qualities and negative traits. And we have to keep pulling, to keep the tension, to keep up the struggle. In the gospel that we consider, the two demoniacs were so fierce and strong that no one could ever control them. But Jesus expelled the evil spirits and made the two men clean things that we don't want in our life, but there they are, and we think that we can never change. Well, our Lord can change our life. He can drive out what is evil in me. My encounter with Christ is transformative. We only have to believe and to cooperate with the workings of divine grace. Yes, we have to cooperate. In the beautiful expression of St. Augustine, God who created you without you, He won't save you without you. So we have to do our part. But to let Jesus heal us, to make a determined effort to be a changed man, and of course to pray, to ask for graces, the grace of conversion, to have recourse to the sacrament of penance, which is a sacrament of healing, 
to be reconciled with God than to strive to be good and live a holy life. Confession is a tremendous gift of God to the church. It is a place of encounter between mercy and misery in the expression of Pope Francis. The confession, the sacrament of penance, is a sacrament of reconciliation between the sinner and the author of grace and mercy. Every time we seek God's pardon in the sacrament of penance and we receive absolution, our soul is like a dirty rag, perhaps with a little stain, that is washed clean like a new piece of clothing. Last Easter Sunday, the prelate of Obus Day, Monsignor Fernando Ocariz, sent out a message which I think is a message of hope. And I quote, he says, Easter announces to us that we are not tied down by our past sins, by the weight of our previous mistakes, nor are we tied down by the limitations that we can see, that we see in our lives. Or by situations, however difficult. And so the Apostle repeats, Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. From Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Now let's go back to the Gospel. It states that Jesus went to the other side. You know, this phrase is significant. The other side referred to the land of the Gentiles people who were not Jews, areas occupied by the pagans. And so it implies that the territory was full of danger, of risks, of impurities. It is the land of strangers where the chosen people of God would not dare go. The other side represented everything negative. By analogy, perhaps we feel like strangers to our Lord because we have not been really praying, or that we feel so unworthy of God with our many sins that we have remained distant from the faith in some way. We belong to the other side, perhaps. But Christ came to meet us, and there is no stranger to our Lord. He came precisely looking for the sick and the sinner, looking for you and me. The mission of Christ has no boundaries. He always goes to the other side. That means that our Lord is on the side of the sinner. He is on the side of the poor. Christ is on the side of the suffering. Jesus is on the side of the abandoned, the lost, and those in pain. Christ is on the side of the outcasts, the dispossessed. Jesus is on the side of the marginalized, the forgotten, the homeless, the orphans, and the dying. Our Lord is the physician who came to heal our infirmities. He came that we may have life and have it in abundance. Well, there is a strange twist in the gospel narrative. We would expect the people of Gadara to be grateful to Jesus for having cured two of their townspeople. But they asked Jesus to go away, to leave their own, their, to leave their town. Was it because 
they lost a herd of swine and they were upset. But there's something more to it. The power of Jesus was too much for them. The arrival of Jesus unsettled them, kind of upset their peaceful living. And so the people, in a sense, we can say that they didn't want to face their own issues. They preferred to turn a blind eye. How sad, right? Are we afraid to face our own personal issues? Do we rather not think about problems that need to be resolved? If we do not come to terms with our own issues, we may think that we are spared of troubles, that we have nothing to worry, but we will never be at peace. We will never have peace with ourselves, with others, and we're gone. Sooner or later, things will come to the surface again, and they will bother us. So it is important to settle our issues, especially in front of God. It is true that an encounter with Christ can mean having to adjust our life to His demands. When we pray, for example, or when we examine ourselves and we go to the sacrament of penance, we tend to see things in a new light. The Holy Spirit inspires us to see the real state of our soul. We realize that we need to give up this and that, that certain things have to be changed. We begin to see the contrast between the, what God wants of us and what we want of, in ourselves. And if we take our faith seriously, we must be ready to conform our life to that of Jesus, for He is the way, the truth, and the life. Some years ago, I was the chaplain of a university center, and there was a graduate student that came up to me and said, Father, for a long time, I have not practiced my faith. I have not been going to Mass, nor did I pray in the last five years. But last week, my mom died, and she was a very pious and God-loving woman. I regret having ignored her promptings for me to pray. Now I know that she is in heaven interceding for me, and I'd like to begin again in my spiritual life. Father, tell me, what should I do, or how should I start? Beautiful. This young fellow never valued, he said, the advices of his mother until she passed away. And here he was, willing to change, to start all over again. The nice thing was, he was willing to do whatever was asked of him. Whatever it takes for him to recover a spiritual life and his moral bearing. Tell me, Father, what should I do? It has been said many times that the role of the spiritual director is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. Come to think of it, it's quite true. Well, back in the gospel, the presence of Jesus in the town somehow disturbed their comfortable living. But instead of welcoming Christ, they asked Jesus to leave. You know, once we find the Lord, let us never let go of Him. Allow me to read some words of Pope Francis, words that highlight the fact that our life is a mixture of lights and shadows, that life is a struggle, 
But regardless, we should always be positive, rather see the positive side of things and be happy. And these are what he said. This is what he said. You can have flaws, be anxious, and even be angry, but do not forget that your life is the greatest enterprise in the world. Many appreciate you, admire you, and love you. Remember that to be happy is not to have a sky without a storm, a road without accidents, work without fatigue, relationships without disappointments. And he continues, to be happy is to find strength in forgiveness, hope in battles, security in fear, love in discord. It is not only to enjoy the smile, but also to reflect on sadness. It is not only to celebrate successes, but to learn lessons from failures. Being happy is not a fatality of destiny, but an achievement for those who can travel within themselves. To be happy is to stop feeling like a victim and become the author of your own destiny. The coming of the Lord to the other side, His coming into my life, into your life, is the beginning of hope. If God is with us, then who can be against us? So we fight with optimism, or what St. Josemaria calls the sporting spirit, a fighting spirit, never give up. For as long as we live, we have a reason to hope and to be happy. The Lord never gets tired of saving us, of helping us. We all have the graces necessary to recover and to grow in the grace of the Lord. If we were to fight alone, yes, we would have reason to doubt, to despair. But that's not the case. The Lord is on our side, and He is even more determined to make us saints than we ourselves are. For that is the will of God, your sanctification. In the Gospel, we read that the just man falls seven times a day. The just man means the pious, the saintly person, has many failures as well. Years ago, I think it was the year 2011, 2012, there was a film on the, li the life of Saint Jose Maria called, entitled There Be Dragons. And it, was, it carried a tagline that says, even the saints had a past and even the sinners have a future. That is very true. No one is born a saint. No one is confirmed in the grace of the Lord. Each one of us will have to struggle, to strive to live the virtues, to strive to be good and be holy. Not everything is going to be easy. The road is bumpy. There will be storms and turbulence. That's normal because we walk in this valley of tears. In Spanish, we say, caminamos in este valle de lágrimas. But Christ is in our life. Christ is on your side. And so we remain steadfast. We just have to begin again, to start all over again. We apply the means. It would be good to have a kind of a spiritual director, a close friend or a priest who can guide us, someone mature, who accompanies us in our spiritual journey. And then we follow a plan of life, a set of pious practices 
that serve as a guide and put order in our life and our schedule. And then we strive to develop the habit of prayer to make our life Christ-centered. When we see Christ in earnest, our life will definitely change for the better. No one who meets our Lord leaves empty-handed. We are filled with grace and blessings. First of all, the grace of conversion. Then, the grace of sanctification. Like St. Paul, towards the end of his life, we may be able to say, I have run the race, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith. St. Paul was once a persecutor of Christians. But when he met Jesus, that encounter brought about a radical conversion and that changed his life. Let us conclude this meditation turning to our Blessed Mother. We are not alone in our struggle. We have the help of Our Lady. We just have to approach her as a child seeks help from his beloved mother. She lightens our burdens. She's a sure way to Jesus. She's our refuge and our advocate. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put it into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Christian Angel, intercede for me.